This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and Mar Vista, California. And now, the host of the Dead Authors Podcast, Mr. H.G. Wells. Hello all, I'm H.G. Wells, and welcome to this very special addendum to the Dead Authors Podcast. What a rare treat it was to travel all the way to... Bumbershoot. In the... Inclement. City of... Seattle. And how fortunate that our guest for this addendum was... Lewis Carroll. Author of... Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It was my profound honor to meet... Him. It only remains for me to thank... Everyone at Bumbershoot. And... Lewis Carroll. For... His... Time. Thanks also to... Rory Scovel. For no particular reason. Now please enjoy Addendum 1 of the Dead Authors Podcast with guest Lewis Carroll, recorded live from Bumbershoot in Seattle. Well, good afternoon, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome to, uh, this is, uh, this is to be believed, this is the Bumbershoot Festival and, uh, uh, a quaint, anachronistic term. We're off to a, a rollicking good start, and anytime I see anachronistic terms, I'm always right at home. Um, <laughs> allow me to introduce myself. I am, uh, I- I'm going to stand because it seems uh, uh, more introductory. I am H.G. Uh, Wells. I am a science fiction author and also created the genre of science fiction. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Some people, oh, let me ask this uh, round of applause. How many Jules Verne fans do we have here in the audience? That's the correct response. Jules Verne, of course, uh, sometimes uh, co-credited with uh, creating the science fiction genre. Let me ask you a question. Um, uh, uh, giant squids, we have those, right? There are, so it's barely science, certainly not fiction. Uh, you'll forgive this cheeky question. Seen any invisible men around lately? No, you haven't, because I made them up. <laughs> Science fiction. You're welcome. <laughs> Let me explain what the Dead Authors podcast is. The, uh, the people that you're about to see on this stage, uh, uh, they're myself included. We are not dead. Um, we are not ghosts. We are not uh, a couple of Mr. Stoker's uh, uh, undead blood drinkers. We are uh, living flesh and blood people. And, uh, and the reason we're here is uh, I am not only the author of The Time Machine, but I, author, I am also the owner of A Time Machine. <laughs> now, I did not build it. Um, I found it. Found it in a, found it in a church jumble sale. I uh, went in looking for gently used antimacassars, came away with a bally time machine. It, it pays to hunt for bargains. You've really, you've really got to look everywhere. And so what I do is uh, I travel back in time and I take uh, famous authors uh, from the past into your present, which is their future. Time travel. And so I interview them, and you have a chance to uh, ask them questions as well. If, you, if, if, uh, if you're on the social networking platform Twitter, we do take questions uh, from the Twitter sphere. Um, uh, we are at Dead Orthopod, so uh, if you've got a strong enough signal and you're, you're, you're not afraid to be 
dreadfully rude. Um, <laughs> with this being America, I'm sure there's few brave souls out here. Um, feel free to ask us some questions via Twitter and uh, I'll know if, if it's happening by seeing the ghostly uh, glow uh, underlighting your faces out there in the audience. Um, <laughs> And uh, that'll be more towards the end of the show. So once I open the Twitter floor, uh, feel free to, uh, to jump on your phones. If I see that sort of uh, ghost story glow on your faces, uh, before then, I'll just think you're being uh, a prick. So... <laughs> uh, I hope everyone is enjoying their time here at the Bumbershoot Festival. How many Canadians do we have here in the audience this evening? <laughs> Politely raising their hands. Perhaps the most Canadian people of all. The only reason I do that is to shame you for your politeness. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for being here. How many people subscribe to the Dead Authors Podcast? Round of applause. Thank you very much. Uh, still by applause, how many people have never heard of the Dead Authors Podcast and have no idea what they're about to see? Uh, well, my friends, fortune favors the bold. And so uh, I do hope you come away from this entertained. Uh, if you come away from this uh, informed, I don't know what's gone wrong. Um, <laughs> that's not our goal, and um, uh, it's merely a side effect of the proceedings. Um, but whether, whether you're, 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 you're a subscriber or whether you're willfully ignorant, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're going to have a good time, I, I, I dare say. And uh, without further ado, I would like to bring out our guest this evening. Uh, I've written down his intro on this uh, tablet, which won't stay at a, uh, a sort of angle that is um, uh, conducive to me reading it. Well, and there it goes again. My guest today is an author, photographer, mathematician, inventor, and clergyman. He may or may not also be something else that people don't usually like to include in their resumes. Please welcome the author of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Mr. Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. Yes, that's right. They're all here for you, Mr. Carroll. Let's just let's sit there. We've got a microphone for you. Now, of course, having, having been transported through time, you do have uh, uh, a greater understanding than most people would think of modern technologies. So there's no need for me to explain various things to you <laughs> as we proceed with the podcast. I genuinely do like to fancy myself as a man who understands advancements in technological <laughs> things, so I will merely apply mimicry to the experience to inform myself of what any of this truly is. Well, there's a sentence in there somewhere. Um, I, I do, uh, I must commend you, uh, Mr. Carroll, on your, on your, very, uh, your very unique uh, style of uh, holding the microphone, which is not unlike a, a set of pan pipes that you <laughs> delicately <laughs> point towards your mouth. 
Yes, I am merely figuring it out as I go. <laughs> you, what did you, you called it a microphone. Y yes, I did. I called it a microphone. Mm, micro, microscopic. However, it's making my voice louder. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the little things in life I enjoy the most. Yes. You, do, you do love your wordplay. Hmm? You do. <laughs> I, say, I say you do love your wordplay. Yes. Established. <laughs> and Mr. Carroll, um, I wonder if you might favor us with a, a, a reading from one of your works. I would love to favor you with such. <laughs> good, good news. It's in one of the, one of the pockets of your, your coat. You know, in my time, it took several minutes for someone to prepare themselves for such a speech. Yes, pat them all, pat them all. Make sure, well, it seems as if it's coming out of this one. Oh, this is written out longhand. This is a treat. It's the first edition. Is there any other way? <laughs> In your own time? In my own time. Yes, sir. This is from a piece I titled... The Walrus and the Carpenter. A few Walrus and the Carpenter fans in the crowd. Yes, only a few. How sad. It's a bit, bit of a deep cut. <laughs> the sun was shining on the sea, shining with all his might. He did his very best to make the billow smooth and bright. And this was odd. Because it was the middle of the night. Why would the sun be working so hard? Little author's commentary track. I like to provide... <laughs> I like to sort of give the story that goes with it. Let us that, go, that goes with the story. <laughs> I enjoy. Oh goodness! Oh, heavens! I enjoy providing stories upon stories. But uh, now I would like to jump ahead in the story. <laughs> As I'm sorry. Has it? Did it even become a story yet? There are many definitions of what is truly a story. Am I currently telling one? Who knows? The time has come. The walrus said. The walrus can speak. <laughs> I do not play by your conventions. <laughs> the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax. I don't know if that's still as popular a reference in not literary quite. works anymore, not but in quite, my but day. Shoes and ships still going great guns. Oh, good to know. Sealing wax was quite the thrill in yonder year. Yonder year. Well, I have now, with this giant leap in telling the story, I have ruined the rhyme. I shall start again. <laughs> the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax and cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot. <laughs> Thank you. 
No, there's more. There's more. Let them there's cheer more. if they want. No, well. And whether pigs have wings. Yes. See, I was, I was rather afraid that the, the preemptive cheer would, uh, would ruin the ending rhyme. In my experience, it usually does. <laughs> and I fear that some of the people who didn't clap earlier about being huge fans of the Walrus and the Carpenter may have missed out on some of the magic there. There's st still time to jump on the Walrus and Carpenter train. It's never too late. That's a... That's a... That's a in my day, this is how you would receive the audience. With and to you, up on what I can only assume is some sort of floating platform. Up there in the gods? Are, are, you, are you saying that uh, they didn't have balconies in your day? Well, <laughs> we didn't call them balconies oh, in my time. Oh, is that so? Is that so? We would often refer to them as floating platforms. <laughs> and it was quite a amount of money, whatever that would be called, to get up there. So it cost more to be further away from the state. Yes, I assume it's the same. I assume those are the wealthiest of the wealthy up there. <laughs> they, they seem to confirm <laughs> that for you. Yes, they agree. Good for them, floating patrons. Now, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Carroll, uh, first, yes. I <laughs> feel so distant. <laughs> Back in my day, this is how you had to move your furniture around <laughs> in your house. You had to sit on all of it and sort of snuggle with the ground. It's more. More of that famous Carillion wordplay. <laughs> now, Mr. Carroll, first things first, would you prefer that I call you uh, Mr. Carroll, or would you prefer that I uh, address you as uh, Charles Lutwidge Dotson, which, of course, is your, is your real name? Well, someone has done their research, hasn't they? Someone has. Charles Ludwig Dotson is my <laughs> real name, yes. But Lewis Carroll's my pen name, and it's easier for the people. It's easier... For the palate, Ludwig, it just scares what most about women. What about, what about Ludwig? You, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> Doesn't matter, not important. I had a weird uncle who also said it that way, but <laughs> no one believed him. Well, now, you, were, you were born in a, a little parsonage uh, of Darsbury in Cheshire. You were mm. the eldest boy, yes. uh, third child, Eight more children followed. That's quite a big household. Yes. My um, parents quite enjoyed the tomfoolery away from the children uh, in order to create more of us. So in essence, they were creating more people they were trying to distance themselves from so that they could then make more people. It's a, it's a, bit, of a bit of an ouroboros. I do not know... The, I do not know. Well, it, it's funny, you know, it, it, it occurs to me that uh, the Ouroboros is the snake eating its own tail. Mm. Um, and it occurs to me that it's, it's like something straight out of one of your books. Well, thank you. I'm sure I maybe used it in one of my books. I've written so many. The only one I've ever truly attached myself to is the one that the walrus and the carpenter is in. 
Um, Alice and her adventures in Wonderland. Yes, you thought he didn't know the name, but look, of course, of course I the man that knows. Too. Of course he, of course, the man knows the name of his own book. <laughs> um, uh, you're well educated. You you matriculated at Oxford. Mm. Um, you'd only been there for a short time, though. Uh, living there for a short time, when you received uh, uh, word that your mother had died of inflammation of the brain, uh, which perhaps could have been uh, meningitis or a stroke. Um, the young age of 47. What, I'm sorry, does that remind you of something amusing? Uh, it merely reminds me of something incredibly traumatic. <laughs> amusing, sure. That, that must have been very difficult to just be starting your, your, your academic career. <laughs> You're just starting your academic career. Just getting going, as they say. And then, And then poor old mum dies. Well, at a young age. She died at a very young age, but. And it was very difficult to deal with. You can see I've tricked myself into thinking it's funny. <laughs> Which is one defense, I assume. But us in the family, and there were so many of us, so many siblings, so much unused sperm, even. Um, oh, was that kept? Around the house? Yes. Pot potential jars of potential siblings? Yeah, you never knew which jar they would dip into or who those people would become. And it thrilled us. We were always so thrilled by it. But uh, shortly before Mother passed, um, she would run around the house going, my brain is bigger than your brain. <laughs> which made it easier to sort of let her go in the end. Certainly. Like, well, good for her. A terrible prophecy fulfilled. Yes, and it's why from that point on I said to myself, be smart, but never be too smart. <laughs> for your brain will explode inside of your head. Yes. Best, best not to know the size of one's own brain relative to the size of others' brains. Yes. <laughs> um, that said, uh, uh, you... You were a student who, uh, uh, the modern way of putting it is that you, uh, you, were very, you were very bright, but you didn't apply yourself. You, 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 you sort of uh, slid on through there. You, mm, you, mm -hmm. you didn't, you... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <What? laughs> so, you <laughs> you, you, your academic career mm -hmm. uh, showed great promise, mm -hmm. but then you were very easily distracted by mm. uh, things around mm -hmm. you. What, what is it that, uh, uh, did you find being in class uh, to be dull? I found class to be dull. I found the words to be some sort of other description that would be similar to dull. <laughs> no creativity, I thought. This, all the words are the same. And it, I, I went to school, I went to, I don't know if everyone knows this, <laughs> but I went to a rugby academy. Yes, you went to school at a place called Rugby. <laughs> Which later on, after graduating, became Rugby Academy. I should know, they I sent several letters asking for many uh, money. <laughs> Certainly. But I attended school with such giant men who just hated me. I was smarter than them at math. I was better than them spiritually. <laughs> I was... <laughs> 
My writings in class were far exceeding whatever words they could put on the page, and they just began to hate me. I was in a, a situation where I was surrounded by hate, and, I, and you, you get that way, and you think, well, what should I do? Should I run home only to find your mother? My brain is bigger than your brain. <laughs> there was no escape for me, and so instead of deciding to exceed expectations, I merely, as you stated, slid by whatever that action is, I don't know. Well, in, in that uh, uh, the, you, you were very bright and things came uh, somewhat easily to you. Academics came somewhat easily to you, so you didn't, you didn't have to try quite as hard. That's right. But, the, <laughs> but you, you've certainly done well for yourself and no one would, would dispute that. Um, despite the fact that uh, as a child you had some health issues, you, uh, um, you suffered a fever that left you deaf in one ear. And I hope I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you can hear me uh, just fine. We have the monitors on stage. Is, is, is the sound to your liking? The sound is fantastic. I cannot explain why it comes from where. I don't know what you mean by monitors. I assume you mean these devil box yes, machines. Yes, these things that I gestured to. These two black boxes. Now, is that where our voices are coming out? Uh, yeah, they're coming out of several places, not only the, the monitors that are pointed at us, but uh, speakers yes. that are pointed at the audience. So my voice is merely going into what you called a microphone, and it's going into... Those boxes. It's going into several boxes. Yes. So that everyone can hear uh, our uh, amplified voices. Yes. A tactic I would use sometimes in school to slide by, I would be asked a question and then I would then pile five questions on top of that question <laughs> oh, in an unrelated matter in order to never have to fully answer the original <laughs> question. My teacher said I was a sly puppy. <laughs> Which I found amusing, I guess. <laughs> Certainly. I guess I am a sly puppy. It's fun, it's fun to think of a puppy with a sly look on his face. Yes, always up to something. That's what my the headmaster would say at rugby, uh, RA. He would say, you are a puppy who is up to something. And he would sort of sprinkle his fingers towards me. <laughs> and that's where I got the idea of a rabbit hole. Um, at the age of 17, uh, you had an attack of the whooping cough, um, which uh, probably responsible for your chronically weak chest in mm. later life. How is the state of your chest right now? Are you feeling all right? I feel good. I have to regulate my breathing. Um, I can't just go at it. What, how is it that you regulate your breathing? What's that's the method you employ? That's a great question. I will Give it, tell it to us in great detail. You will receive such. I look forward to it. I shall now begin telling the story. In three, two, one, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to tell it in my style of writing. Breathing never easy, wither, wather, woo. For what life has brought to me, I cannot be assured it has brought to you. <laughs> Breathing for me is very tough. <laughs> Sometimes even very rough. <laughs> Big finish. In order to pacify my ailing situation,
I merely pause in spite of so much expectation. There we go. Lewis Carroll <laughs> receiving the applause in the time-honored way. <laughs> Thrusting one hand Thank up. you, the wealthiest members. Shout out to the 1%. Now, another defect that you had, if, you, if you'll permit my... Uh, Seems my as though we are on a topic and we will not steer clear. Well, I think this, might, this may prove inspirational to a certain segment of the audience because uh, uh, something that, uh, from your childhood that you carried into adulthood was something that you refer to as your hesitation, which was um, a stammer that you, <laughs> you acquired in childhood and it plagued you throughout your life. Um, it's always been um, a significant part of, of uh, the, the image that uh, historians have of you and uh, something that certainly colored your, your experiences. Was, now, I see you've changed your microphone style to a sort of... I have now changed it due to the fact I feel as though my immune system is yet again under attack. Yes, you are. <laughs> a sort of uh, inverse uh, cigar grip. Yes, yes. This is how I would smoke cigars. Was, the, was the stammer very... Uh, was it embarrassing for you? Was it shameful for you? It was embarrassing. It was shameful. It's the honest truth as to why those children at Rugby Academy decided to constantly <laughs> rough me up, as they sometimes say. Um, no one ever said that. <laughs> Not I, even sometimes? No one even sometimes ever used the phrase, rough me up. Um, but they did, nonetheless, they would rough me up, and it, a lot of times it would be because of my stammer. Um, which what I were some of the things? Children could be so cruel, but the things that they said to you? Oh, good, I would love to reflect. <laughs> I would love to reflect on some of the things that caused me to stammer. Some taunts, perhaps? Perhaps they'd taunt you? Well, sometimes the teacher would uh, criticize me uh, due to the fact that she said I did not even understand how to pronounce my own middle name. She would say, it's Ludwig, you stupid, stupid, stupid boy. <laughs> and uh, thank you for anyone who agrees with uh, that being a cruel thing to say to a child. And then I would come back at her with, we. Time would go by, Certainly. 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> and I would begin making noises. I don't know if you know this, but I would sometimes come out of my stammer by making different noises, which later inspired many of my characters in Wonderland. I don't even have to tell you who this famous character is. Yee! 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 I think everyone knows. I think they do as well. And then I would have my life beaten. Um... On, on the plus side... Yes! Um, <laughs> you were adept at mimicry and storytelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you were reputedly quite good at charades. Yes, I loved it. I loved getting up in front of 
people and, and saying, guess what this is? I will not use my mouth because I have a stammer, but also that's not the point of this game. Is this, no, is this before the, the rules of charades had been established? This might have been some underground-style charades. I might have been a pioneer. It's a fair amount of talking for charades as we have come to understand it. Yes, but I would go up and I would allow my voice nothing. I would allow my voice not to the situation. And I would mimic animals. I would mimic things (laughs) that don't move, which was much harder for someone to guess. Boat was fairly easy. Could you, could you give us a little taste of that right now? But with, with more pleasure than you could possibly describe with words. Here we go. Mr. Lewis Carroll mimicking a Here's boat. how I would often, I would sometimes start the charade like this, because many a times you would have to try to get the attention of people. I didn't so, always do this in my home, you know, with my mother running around <laughs> smarter than everybody. Yelling about the size of a brain. Certainly doing a sort of, <laughs> a sort of weird shuffle. I mean, think how much attention I've already been able to gain. It's true. <laughs> now that's that's before you even do the boat. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's yes. Right. Now. For the action. Now for the action. Make your body become the shape of the object and tend to mimicry. <laughs> sort of. Bowing his legs, arms akimbo. So then he's sort of rocking back and forth like a boat. One hand up in the air, not sure what that is, maybe a sail perhaps. And then sort of teetering over, fingers waving. And then he's got, now he's got a. a I don't know what that is. He's picked something up. It's very heavy. Now he's he's got rope, anchor. Yes, he's set sail. Yes, I've guessed it. Oh, I dare say you've worked in a bit of charades in that mimicry of the boat. Lewis Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And I could do that. I'm not lying to you. I could do that for 13 to 14 straight days. Um, in addition to your... Uh, Quite uh, winded. Good thing. Yes, I, you just relaxed. Well, I had that lung thing we talked about earlier, yes. whatever it was called. The weak chest? Yes, yes the weak chest. No Not wonder. a term that attracts the ladies. <laughs> Hello, I have a weak chest. Well, I wouldn't lead with that, certainly. Well, most people don't, but not when you're not afraid. I go up to women, I say, I have a weak chest. If they stay, good for them. If they leave... It's one of those lines, nine out of ten times, they're going to leave, but that tenth time. Yes. And many times, um, it's a woman who requires payment. (laughs) So whether I would have said it or not, she would have stayed. Um, You you wrote from a very young age. Uh, You contributed heavily to the the family magazine. (laughs) I suppose you had so many people in the family. Well, uh, my parents, as we said, they would not stop witchy-whoppying, as I called it later. <laughs> and they would create so many kids that one day I said, Aha! 
we should have a newsletter. And that's how it started. Many siblings writing their own piece on what was going on in the house. Too many dishes, whose fault is it really? More on page five. And the writing became so intricate. Everyone was loving reading it that I said, we should become a magazine. The family magazine. I will say other families do not enjoy reading magazines about your family. No, that stands to reason. They cannot yes. relate in, for some reason. It's not that surprising. But um, the first, in 1856, you published a, the, the <laughs> Quite first... Quite a year. <laughs> <laughs> if my memory serves me correctly, and there's no reason it wouldn't. That's when you published <laughs> your first piece of work under the name uh, uh, Lewis Carroll. L.C. Um, and the, the pseudonym Lewis Carroll is a, is a play on your real name. Correct me if I'm wrong about this. this I is, will. This is the, the, as I understand it. Lewis was the anglicized form of Ludovicus, which was the Latin for Lutwidge, and Carroll, an Irish surname similar to the Latin name Carolus, from which comes the name Charles. Now, the transition went as follows. Charles Lutwidge translated into Latin as Carolus Ludovicus. This was then translated back into English as Carol Lewis and then reversed to make Lewis Carroll. Now, this pseudonym was chosen uh, by your editor, Edmund Yates, uh, from a list of four that you had submitted. Um, the others that didn't make the cut, uh, a variation on the spelling of Lewis Carroll. Um, Edgar Cuthwellis, Edgar UC Westhill, and that was the list of four. Were there some other names that didn't even make that short list? There were many. I just give us five. Five just... <laughs> I was fond of the name Elwis, uh, so I would have many variations of Elwis. Elwis Kimberston. Elwis writes a lot. <laughs> it's a bit on the nose. Timothy Vithinat was one of my favorites. Timothy... Thithin that. Thithin that. Yes, Timothy Thithin that. Which I enjoyed because of the, the, the tick of the tongue. And I said, that'll make people have fun with it. But he said, no, we wanted you just to use the name of your two pets, which is where that name actually comes from, Lewis Carroll. <laughs> there was Timothy. Lewis and Carroll, both French oh, bulldogs. I see. Yes. Oh, I well, it's much simpler than what I said. It's everything you said couldn't be more wrong. It was merely the name of our pets. And I said, well, I'll just use those names. And by then, Yates was like, please stop sending me hundreds of names. I have nothing invested in this. <laughs> he was a hard one. He was a hard one so to deal with. Yates. He didn't understand. Um, in that same year, um, there was a new dean of the college, uh, Henry Liddell. <laughs> New dean arrived at, uh, at Christchurch, Henry Liddell, uh, bringing with him his young family, uh, who became uh, uh, great friends of yours, the whole Liddell family. Uh, especially, uh, as, as would interest our audience, is uh, young Alice Liddell. And here we are. You... Some, for many years, it's, it's, uh, people have assumed that uh, Alice was the inspiration for Alice in Wonderland, but you have said that's not necessarily the case. Mm -mm. Um, even though um, uh, uh, there's an acrostic at the end of Through the Looking Glass that spells out her name in full, uh, and there's other superficial references to her hidden in the text of, uh, of both of the Alice books. Um, now, you say it was not based on any real child, but uh, uh, there must have been some of little Alice in there. Certainly the name, we start with the name. You know, honestly, as a writer, you're there, you're putting 
pin to... Pushing what? Pin... Uh, ob, uh, no, I thought... Feather... Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. You're I putting I... feather to tree, former tree. No, I didn't... You're putting feather to... There you are. It's not that I didn't understand <laughs> what a pen was. I thought you said pin. Oh. That's, why I, that's why I asked you. Oh, silly. That's no. a thing that people... You know, that's the thing that people from the, uh, the American South say. They say pin instead of pen. Isn't that funny? I wouldn't know. No, certainly not. But you find yourself in the early evening. You've had a couple drinks. You get out your feather object. Quill. Quill, if you will. <laughs> Must remember that one. Your quill, if you will, get a small sort of saucer of sheep's blood. <laughs> and then just your scrap of former tree right in front of you. And you begin to write what is in your heart and suddenly you go, well, I need a name. And then you just put down Alice and suddenly everyone's like, woo, whoop de doo <laughs> I knew her. Her name was in my head, also alphabetically. It was the first name in what would later become a Rolodex to you. <laughs> in my day, we called it a namekeeper machine. <laughs> An in, NKM. In which, you, in which you stored all of this small child's pertinent contact information. You never, back in my day, you didn't know who you would need and when. There I was, quilling with blood and former tree, needing a name. I look at my NKM, and she was the first name there, Alice. And I said, I like that, Alice. It's short, and it also works. Now, um, it, it was uh, during an outing with, uh, with the, uh, the Liddell family. Um, yes. Uh, you, you, you took them on several uh, uh, boating outings, and... Uh, um, uh, Did I? Or did they think they went on a boat? <laughs> to be quite honest, you never know with the Liddells. You know what I mean? <laughs> can, I, can I ask you to expand on that? Because <laughs> I'm just wondering... I'm just... Well, yes, certainly snuggle your chair closer. I'm just wondering if they were actually on a boat. Where, where were they that they thought they were on a boat? Sometimes the world of make-believe can be so powerful at the end of the day. You're like, where was I? Who was I? When was I? Make no mistake, I'm not completely sold that this is real. <laughs> and I would oftentimes mimic a boat during a game of charades. Sometimes, so realistic. People thought they were on a boat. But in their defense... Sometimes we were on a boat. Okay, right. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to explore both sides. So, in one of these uh, outings, whether whether you were actually on a boat or whether the entire Liddell family was just piled upon your back, um, you fabricated the story of of Alice in, in Wonderland, and uh, young Alice asked you to write it down, which you did, and then yes. Um, uh, friends and, and family reading it said, "This is this is quite good. Uh, you ought to submit this." And uh, and then it was uh, it was eventually published um, yes. in 1865. Um, so uh, uh, that you uh, you were inundated with fan mail. Everyone loved it. You wrote a sequel through the Looking Glass and what Alice uh, found there, um, which is a, a bit of a darker book. Like the, the first book is very 
Very fanciful, and the second one certainly is as well, but uh, there is a bit of a darker edge to it. Why, why, why did that creep into the narrative, would you say? I'm a dark person. <laughs> when I wrote Alice in Wonderland, and people loved it, and they said it was so cheerful, and it reminds us to always walk down paths and talk to strangers and <laughs> eat and drink whatever is offered without question. <laughs> After that, after that book was released and that was all the feedback, I said to myself, not again. <laughs> this time I want to teach a lesson of don't do any of these things. <laughs> and I also set out to say, you know what, I was tired of the fan mail. <laughs> She'll become. So I said, I am bound and determined to make this second book completely unentertaining. So that in the future, and this is only a dream, <laughs> that in the future, maybe one day, someone will do something with this book where they really tell the second book, but say they're telling the first book. <laughs> That's been a dream of mine. I don't even know, understand the reaction as though it has occurred. I say I, I had rather a hard time uh, following all that. I will not lie. Halfway through, I bailed on myself. <laughs> well, sir, certainly, Reverend, your, your candor is greatly appreciated. Um, I have a rule. Just keep talking. Something will happen. <laughs> I have a similar rule. <laughs> Uh, you're also a great uh, devotee of, of photography for quite a long time. Yes. Um, it was. It was. <laughs> it was a new. It was a. It was a new invention, and you 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 took to it like a duck to water. You you loved it, and and uh, you you uh, apparently were, were uh, he had quite a gift for it. You were a very talented photographer. Um, you abruptly stopped. Uh, after uh, after years of doing it, um, you, 24 years of, of, of uh, doing photography, you stopped. Um, uh, some say it's because you used the uh, uh, the process. Uh, it was the um, the wet colloidin process. It's uh, it's where they develop the the, the film in um, in these uh, these uh, wet uh, things. Um. Let me ask you a question. Certainly. Wet colloid, and here is something you have to keep in mind. People Certainly. said that I was a gifted photographer, that I was able to capture images that they, they, they didn't even know what they were saying, but they would use the word images, and I would go along with it. I didn't know. <laughs> People would enjoy them, but what you must keep in mind is that in that time, in that town, whichever one it is, <laughs> I was also the only photographer. <laughs> So naturally, I was the best. For many years, people thought I was a magician, grabbing moments and saving them. <laughs> and I will not lie to you. I sometimes would indulge in such a tale. I would say, yes, I am grabbing moments that you can never have back. <laughs> so you, you would say, not only am I grabbing these moments, I'm hoarding them. Yes. Even though they're your moments. Well, uh, certainly when people, when people had to stand there stiffly in front of the camera. For hours. With, with you with a great bloody cape over your head. For and there's a giant flash. They had no idea what was going on. They didn't even understand. I said, come over here and stand in front of this machine. And they would. And I would climb under the curtain. And I would yell out, I'm taking your moments from you. 
and they wouldn't understand, and then I would have to then, you know, have the picture developed, <laughs> and that also was more mimicry. I would yell at them, you don't even know what I've taken, but you're about to see it. And then I would show it to them, and I would say, this is a moment you can never have back, because now it is mine. Well, you, and you, these were oftentimes customers. <laughs> you're certainly a mother's son. Thank you. Uh, would, would you be, uh, seemingly you abandoned photography, uh, because it was just such a, it was such a hassle. Um, uh, would it surprise you to know that um, everyone here in this audience, probably, has a photographic device in their pocket. I will not even begin to believe such. <laughs> it's true, though. If, if anyone would, would care to, if everyone uh, who, who is inclined to would take out their, 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 their camera phones right now and take a picture of Mr. Carroll <laughs> as he stands here agog. Now, do you see everyone has? Some people even with the flash on? Well, m my words. I feel as though all of these flashes are taking my words to describe this situation. It's rather wonderful. It's like a sea of fireflies. It's it really, does look it's like giant lovely. bugs. I will not lie. Fear has begun to settle in. No, please, no, please, please lest, lest Mr. Carroll fly into a Kong-like rage, I, I beg of you all to now put down, put down your flashing camera phones. So we don't have to restrain him with Those are also telephones! No, there's... <laughs> I, I forgot to mention that. I forgot to mention that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. No, please. Please. Reverend, please, if you would, please. Just have a, have a, have a, have a, bit, of, have a bit of a sit down and, and uh, everything will be fine. What do you think of you. my gait? <laughs> well, it's very, it's very practiced and careful, sir. Uh, hashtag dead author pod. <laughs> um, now there's something we must uh, we must talk about. Um, we must. We must talk about this. There's a bit of a controversy about you. Mm. Um, there always is, in one way or another. Some say that your interest in children. Yes. Was. Um, a bit... Where are uh, you going? <laughs> this, is a, this is a perfect time. No, it's not. No, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's never a perfect time yes. in the middle of where are you going no, being yelled at you. That's perfect. That's the worst time to yeah. exit. I see the door opening. I'm watching you. <laughs> this, this is not helping your case, by the way. Life give you <laughs> Life gives you lemons. Go to the market and sell those lemons. You'll be <laughs> You'll be glad to know that expression has been refined. <laughs> well. Um there are some who who uh, believe that your interest in uh, in children was a uh, uh, a bit uh, less than chaste, and there are other people who say, well there's no proof of this. Uh, th there's no proof of you doing anything untoward with children whatsoever. Mm. And in fact, um, the, 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 the style of the times was uh, there was a bit of a, a Victorian child cult. Uh, there was so much imagery and iconography of, of uh, little children in various uh, states of dress 
Um, it was on people's Christmas cards at that time. Uh, people thought nothing of it. No um, one would even dare. Uh, some people say that you had you had certain desires, but you were you were um, uh, 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 you did not act upon them. Uh, but still, they were there. That's of course uh, conjecture. I, I would say. Um, uh, Right now, if you don't mind, I've never had occasion to ask a, a, a guest this before, but um, are you a pedophile? I once had a dream. Oh boy. <laughs> that my story, Alice in Wonderland, would one day make such an impression on so many people that I might be given the chance to create a wonderland. And given that opportunity, I knew my only clients who would truly enjoy such a place would be children. And so I wanted to create that place where adults would stay away and I, no, I'm not. Yes, should have, probably should have led with that. Bury the lead with a speech no one likes. That's how my father raised me while he was filling his jars. <laughs> what in the devil is this? It's... it's ah! It it's, doesn't splash. It's water in a bottle. No, no, that can't be that. That can't be that confusing to you. Well, it's you like harder really... water protecting softer water. <laughs> Refuse to drink it. Now we've uh, at this point uh, we'd like to take questions from the uh, the social networking platform Twitter. Um, I just realised that. Uh, I just realized that uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, I encouraged the crowd to uh, tweet to us, but uh, then I realized there's no Wi-Fi connection here, so <laughs> won't be able to get your tweets. <laughs> here we go. These are some we, we uh, collected earlier. Um, a fellow named uh, Charlie Lloyd Oh, asks, writer's name. <laughs> <laughs> You feel that's a writer's name? As you know from our previous discussion, I am great at spotting a writer's name. As long as there are dogs with breathing challenges <laughs> laying around, you'll have a you'll pseudonym. always find one. Charlie Lloyd asks, how do you feel about Tim Burton? Uh, Tim Burton is an American filmmaker who's uh, he's done an adaptation of uh, of Alice, and uh, a lot a lot of people would say that uh, that many of his works are, are, are somewhat uh, indebted to you. Well, let me begin. You've had a chance to see some movies in the time machine, <laughs> and dazzled I was. Yes, that's right. Um, I believe Tim Burton, like many artists, has made magical things, and then. He has also ruined many things. <laughs> Some which are very close to me. Some would argue the greatest thing I ever wrote down. <laughs> Given the chance to make it something that people can watch, like charades, but with sound, I noticed. Fascinated me. 
Can we pause for just one moment? We can pause to, as long as necessary. To, to appreciate, to highlight uh, the description of movies as charades with sound. There is motion. I am guessing what the action is meant to be through the power of what I'm told is called editing. A story is told. Certainly. And then also there's sound involved. Which makes it very easy to understand. They just tell you. Right. Tim Burton, thumbs no up, reading. thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like his movie he made of my greatest accomplishment. I feel as though he missed the point. Who would you prefer to have directed? Uh, Interesting question. Thank you. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, I always wanted it to be sort of a metaphor on, you know, how the world is changing around you and you're just getting too old for this whole game. That's how I saw Alice. Grow up. Um, from Maria Fisher, uh, what's your favorite ma what's your favorite mathematical proof? <laughs> if you had to pick a favorite, of course. Here is why I will not answer that question. It is a mathematical proof that you couldn't possibly, in the world of numbers and proofs, have a favorite proof. And I know that because I know mathematical proofs. I know all of the mathematical proofs. Every if you were to put me on the spot and say, name a proof, I would. I have a follow-up question. And welcome it is. Name a mathematical proof. <laughs> um, there are several that come to mind, of course, right out of the gate. I'm sure, I'm sure they're all swirling around you in your mind's eye, like a beautiful mind style. I will say, though, I am not sure uh, through the course of time what education has been like in the world. So I hope I don't blow too many minds when I say my favorite mathematical proof is the proof of mathematics. <laughs> it said in my bio I'm a politician of some sort, didn't it? Well. Mother was right. <laughs> Dane Kania. Well, that's a fun name. Dane writer's Kania. name. It's a bit of a writer's name. Dane Kania. Down. Um, Dane Kania asks, were the characters in the story the walrus and the carpenter... Oh! <laughs> were the characters in the story the walrus and the carpenter based on anyone you knew personally? Or... Professionally. <laughs> so it could be either one. I knew a carpenter friend professionally. He did a lot of work on my house. Oftentimes we would have oysters while he was over. <laughs> Fixing different things. Um, so professionally, yes. But then also personally, I was friends with a talking walrus. It is almost as if the story wrote itself. I take great embarrassment claiming it. Oh, I say, though, did this carpenter and this walrus know each other? Not until I came along. That's where the writer comes in. 
That's where the rider comes in and grabs one object, another object, puts them together, creating a third object, or as I like to call it, a mathematical proof. I will not be challenged! Sorry, I get a little excited. It's quite all right. Can't get too excited. Weak chest. No, weak chest. It'll be the death of you. Um, Simon Ore, other than your own books, who's your favorite author? Ooh. What a question. What a wonderful question. (laughs) Having traveled through time, I'm trying to think back. Who would have even been around? You could also choose from uh, current authors. Ooh. Well, <laughs> there is one particular man I'm uh, starting to read the words of, uh, which is quite thrilling and quite exciting. In fact, I call it, a lot of his work, sort of the gray wonderland. His name is Dan Brown. <laughs> I was drawn to him just by the color. I said, this is a horrible writer's name. And then I read his books and I said, nay ye, nay ye. (laughs) Ooh, a double nay ye. (laughs) Very rare that I give a double nay ye. But I did. There was an adventure that his character, Langdon, Robert Langdon, I think. When you hear the name Robert Langdon, does that settle as well as a name like Alice? Which would you rather read? Thank you, 27 people. <laughs> um, Gray Wonderland. Obsessed with religion. A fe- <laughs> a fe- and this is from an ordained minister saying this. You see, you see Dan Brown. <laughs> Art is subjective. Obsessed. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. <laughs> A fellow named C. Phoenix. Oh! Writer's name? R- quite a writer's name. <laughs> Several books I would read what? by Mr. Phoenix. What do you think? What do you think of the Jefferson Airplane song "White Rabbit"? Ooh. <laughs> now, I, are you familiar with the song? I am. Yeah, yes. It's based on Alice. It's based on Alice in Wonderland. Some pill, one pill makes you bigger, and one pill makes you small. Does this ring a bell? I don't know why you're talking with such a rhythm. I'm singing. Oh! Yes, surely. Is that a song? Yes, that was a song. I do enjoy the, the song, uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Um, it uh, reminds me of some of the jingles I would sing to myself some of while the writing. <laughs> The Dringles? <laughs> well, I don't know if you do. You do know. love your wordplay. I love my wordplay, and people go, Are you singing your jingles? And I say, I'm singing my dringles. And <laughs> thus, Dringles was born, and I would sit around and I would sing my, myself. I would sing about the white rabbit, and I'd eat this and eat that. And what were some of get your. Get big, uh, get small, I'm a rabbit. <laughs> Would you, I, I think we'd all love to hear a dringle by Mr. Lewis Carroll. But, but if I may... But we have if, no time. If I know. <laughs> We've got plenty of time for a dringle. I wonder if you might, rather than make it your own subject matter... Yes! Uh, make a dringle based on the Da Vinci Code. Oh! 
I like that. <laughs> I am just going to need a slight uh, one of these from. Give the him group. a beat. <laughs> oh, and you, I feel. I, I'm sorry. Just so the you know the rules, you cannot start it with my name's Lewis Carroll, and I'm here to say. I I cannot, or I have to. <laughs> I can't remember. So <laughs> it's up to you. Very well. Over to you, Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Robert Lang <laughs> Robert Langdon got in town. It turns out there's a crime going down. Says Dan Brown. The Pope knows something, but no one knows if it's true. Robert Langdon is out to find who might have killed a man who was naked in a pose. Naked from the top of his head to his wibbly-bibbly toes. A rabbit hole Robert will go down figuring out this crime in this town. Religion, religion, religion. There we go. Big round of applause for Mr. Lewis Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. To learn how you can contribute monetarily or otherwise to an 826 chapter near you, go to 826national.org. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying, the show is over. <laughs>